And here is Mr. Leinsdorf. What happened? Did you all go to the, the hospital? The cavalcade immediately speeded up at uh, a very high speed and raced. It was uh, some miles to the hospital. They raced past the place where the noon meeting was to be held, past the mark where thousands of people were gathered inside and went directly to the hospital at a terrible rate of speed. This was a, a deed without a name. This is one of the most horrible crimes in American history, and it takes away the most brilliant leader I've ever known at a crucial time in the history of the world. This is an unspeakable tragedy to the family and to the nation. Senator Yarborough, were you with uh, President Kennedy talking with him this morning before this occurred? Oh, before the cavalcade. Oh, yes, I talked with him. He was optimistic and enthusiastic about things in Texas. The crowds were so great. The people had turned out with such great uh, greetings. There were so many more than were there when he came in 1960 and so much more enthusiastic. It was, uh, someone said that, well, Mrs. Kennedy was enjoying it too. They, the people wanted to see her so, and the crowds were so fast and so cheerful and so glad to see her, to see him. Did you see her, Mrs. Kennedy, afterwards at the hospital? Yes, I saw Mrs. Kennedy after that. I think the whole nation, the whole world, sorrows with her at the loss of her husband and the father of our children and this great leader of this nation and the free world. Thank this you. is the saddest day I've known in American history in my lifetime. Thank you very much, Senator Yarbrough. This is Nancy Dickerson of NBC News at Andrews Air Force Base. On Saturday, November 23, 1963, with the country in a state of shock and mourning, music director Eric Leinsdorf led the Boston Symphony Orchestra in the compositions of Gluck, Wagner, and Beethoven. John Kennedy was the grandchild of former famous Boston mayor, John Honey Fitz Fitzgerald. The concert was given at Symphony Hall in honor of the slain son of Boston. Elsewhere, numerous people gave statements on the assassination. Incidentally, the mourning of other nations is beginning to appear shall we say, more intense than perhaps we first realized. It's not all limited to statements by high officials. As we've heard from Joseph Harsh in London, the feeling of the Prime Minister was very clearly showing through everything he said about the death of President Kennedy. And for a surprising to us, surprising reaction, we take you now to Wells Hengen in Bonn, Germany. How are you, Morgan? How are you, Wells? Pretty good. What have you got to report this time? Well, uh, the West German Chancellor Ludwig Erhard has come back from his talks in Paris. He got off the train here in Bonn and was visibly shaken by the news which he'd received by radio telephone on the special train that brought him back. Uh, he went directly from the railway station uh, to the radio studio here in Bonn where he made a very emotional uh, short tribute to the president and said that the German people would now stand at the side of the American people. Uh, Earhart 
has also indicated, not directly, but through his foreign minister, Gerhard Schroeder, that he will be coming to the States uh, for the funeral. As you know, uh, Erhard had been scheduled to leave on Sunday night for talks with Mr. Kennedy on Monday and Tuesday in Washington. Of course, that is no longer possible, but he will be coming for the funeral, although he doesn't know when that will be or when he'll be leaving. Well, that is a most touching, a touching development. I think Americans are, in recent months, have not been prepared for an emotional outpouring of a friendly nature from other people. And I am sure that perhaps, or do you think that uh, the chancellor has that in mind when he has decided to come here? Yes, I think he does. I think uh, he felt himself very close to uh, the president, even though they didn't know each other intimately. They had met several times. Uh, most recently, when uh, Mr. Kennedy was here in Germany, he made his triumphal official visit at the end of June, and a speech that is now uh, enshrined in history in Berlin, in which he said, I am a Berliner, and that, of course, the memory of that visit is still very fresh with people here, and Berliners particularly have been shaken by the news tonight. Overseas, our friends have been mourning with us, those who admired the president, other chiefs of state. The BBC this afternoon, or rather this evening, had a tribute to Mr. Kennedy, which uh, was begun by the prime minister, conservative prime minister, Sir Alexander Douglas Hume. In three short years of his presidency, he left an indelible mark on his country and on the world. And for us in Britain, his loss is a deep and a sad one, because he was the most loyal and faithful of allies. Tonight, I fear, there is no comfort that I can bring to the American people, nor indeed to ourselves, nor indeed to men anywhere who care for tolerance and liberty and justice and peace, and let it be this, that this dreadful deed should shock us all to dedicate ourselves anew to those things which he liked, which he loved, and for which he worked during his life. And if we can help to bring to men the liberty, justice, and peace for which he did so much, then we shall be doing something to serve the causes in the service of which he himself died. Now, waiting in our Manchester studio is Mr. Harold Wilson, the leader of the opposition. The next morning, Sunday, November 24th, despite being surrounded by a crowd of police officers at the Dallas police headquarters, Lee Harvey Oswald was shot and mortally wounded by nightclub owner Jack Ruby on live TV while being transported to the Dallas County Jail. Ruby shot Oswald in the abdomen at point-blank range with a 38 caliber revolver. The shooting took place at 11.21 local time. Oswald was taken into surgery at Parkland Memorial Hospital. He died at 1.07 p.m., never to face trial. 
That Sunday, thousands of people around the world went to Sunday Mass in memory of the fallen president. Later, an LP called That Day with God was produced with excerpts from several of these inspirational expressions. It included Pope Paul VI, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and Richard Cardinal Cushing. I'll let Henry Fonda read the last one. And finally, a letter from John B. Coburn, Dean of Episcopal Theological School, Cambridge, Massachusetts, to his son Mike at Preparatory School. Dear Mike, we've been thinking of you particularly since hearing the tragic news of President Kennedy yesterday. It is beyond belief, and yet there it is, something we have to take in. A dreadful event for our country and for all mankind, a terrible loss for Americans, and especially for those who felt about him as you did. I'm glad you have that letter and signature to keep forever. Your mother and I have just heard President Johnson declare Monday to be a national day of mourning. That is a great thing to do for all of us, not only as a nation, but as individuals who have lost someone who was really part of ourselves the way a president is. And it is right to mourn, to grieve, and to cry. There have been no dry eyes around here for the past 24 hours. So we can weep all right, and it's a good thing for us to do. But we don't have to weep for the president. He is with God, and he's all right. As a matter of fact, I even believe that someday you can count on seeing him and telling him about your letter. Anyway, seeing President Kennedy is going to be one of the good things about dying. There are a lot of others it's going to be good to see. You can imagine seeing Caesar, for example. So you'd better get moving on that Latin. I'm only kidding, Mike, about the Latin. But a question you might ask your roommate is, what language do you speak in heaven? Dr. Guthrie says it's Hebrew, which is going to make it tough for most of us. There are two other things I want to say about this death. The first isn't pleasant, but it's real and has to be faced honestly sooner or later. So I might as well spell it out now. This is that there's a power of evil at work in the world, and it is an active force against all that is good and lovely and true. You see it when some evil man in an office building kills a president, or when death comes to some innocent baby, or when I lost my temper and knocked you on top of the head, or when I booted Tom in the seat of the pants, or when people suffer pain the way Professor Batten did or when some fellows are lonely all the time and nobody accepts them or is nice to them, or when wars break out, or when white people slam doors in the face of Negroes, or when big kids tease and beat up little kids. There's something going on which is evil in the world, and it's got a lot of power. And what is worse, some of it gets into all of us. We can't just separate people into the good guys and the bad guys. There's something of both good and bad in all men including nice people like you and me. And it is this mixture which makes life and its different battles so complicated. Now the other thing I want to say is that this power of evil, strong as it is at times, and apparent victor every once in a while, that's when the president is shot, this power of evil does not have the last word. Love does. Decency does. Truth does. Honor does. Not cheating on an examination does. Giving your life for your country in time of war does. Keeping your temper does. Keeping your word even when it's to your advantage not to does. In one word, 
God is more powerful than everything said against him. And I'm using the word God now in the biggest sense possible, as that force in the universe which is responsible for all creation, which undergirds all man's discoveries and which calls us all to a life of nobility, or honesty, if a less fancy word is better, and service. And if I had to add it all up, I'd say that this is the life which was in Jesus of Nazareth. Stick around him, try to live with his spirit. Ask God for his help by praying, and gradually all the disjointed bits of life begin to fall into place. Friendship is more fundamental than loneliness, life than death, and love than hate, because all of this is the character of God. Well, I don't want to turn this into a sermon, though I must confess you've always been kind in your remarks about my sermons, and I appreciate it. I really just want you to know we're thinking of you and we love you and wish you well as a person living and growing up in a great and good country and a great and good generation to be alive. We hope all goes well these next few days. Sarah sends her love, so does your mother, so do I. God bless you. <laughs>